This morning's scripture reading will be read from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12-17. through 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12-17. through 17. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for <clears throat> he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And this is a faithful say, saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that it is <clears throat> me first Jesus Christ might sue forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should be here after on him believe him to life everlasting. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're always thankful to have visitors with us. If you are in the process of looking for a church home, we want to encourage you to give consideration to the work here. It would be a joy for us to have you come and work, worship, and serve with us in this area. And we are always grateful for the opportunity that we have to be together to enjoy a period of fellowship with one another as well as a period of worship. In just a moment, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, the passage that Isaiah read a moment ago. And as we begin our study together today, I want to preface our study by simply asking this question. How many times have you heard people make the statement, I've just done too many bad things to ever enjoy forgiveness from God? There are a lot of people in our world today that feel that way. They have in their mindset that there is just no way God would ever save them. Well, today I want us to think for just a few moments about the theme, there is hope for you. Because I believe that Christianity is a message of hope for people who feel hopeless. And so we want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. And really what we have here is a template for salvation. Because the Apostle Paul talks about his life prior to his obedience to the gospel and after his obedience to the gospel of Christ. So we want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, and think for a moment or two about the theme, there is hope for you. The first thing that I call your attention to in our study has to do with his sinful past. And really what he's going to do is recall his destructive behavior. 
Now, when we talk about the destructive behavior of Paul, we are thinking primarily about his actions as a very zealous Jew, Saul of Tarsus. The first thing that I call your attention to has to do with his violent persecutions. Note, if you would, what he says beginning in verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now, if you go back to the book of Acts and begin reading the life story of Saul of Tarsus, it doesn't take very long to conclude that Saul was one of the greatest persecutors the church has ever seen. Take, for example, in chapter 7, when Stephen was put to death. Stephen was martyred for the cause of Christ. And the Bible tells us in chapter 8, verse 1, And Saul consented to his death. Here was Saul consenting to the death of this New Testament Christian. In verse 3, the Bible says that Saul made havoc of the church. Saul was intent on destroying the church of Christ. In chapter 9, Luke tells us that, again, Saul was breathing threats and slaughter against those who were followers of the way. Saul of Tarsus, in writing to Timothy, and we know him now as Paul, the apostle, speaks of the fact that he had formerly been a blasphemer. And the word blaspheme denotes to speak evil of, to rail against. He said that he was a persecutor. We noted his persecutions just a moment ago. And an insolent man. The word insolent means violently arrogant. Carries with it the idea of one who is proud. One who throws his weight around. And that's what Saul of Tarsus did as a Jew. He had been schooled at the feet of Gamaliel. Saul was a very educated man. And you can read of his pedigree, spiritually speaking, in Philippians chapter 3. And he spoke of how he had been a zealous persecutor of the church. But I want you to now think not just of his violent behavior that is, his violent persecutions. But note now his vivid proclamation. Drop down to verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. If you had the opportunity to sit down in the 21st century and interview Paul or Saul of Tarsus and you were to ask him Saul I want you to tell me 
Who is the vilest, most wicked person that you can think of on planet earth? Do you know what he would have said? I think he would have said, I'm the man. Because you see, when he wrote to Timothy, he said, I am the chief of sinners. Saul or Paul placed himself at the top of the list. You want to talk about sinful people? You want to talk about people that have done some wicked things in life? I'm your man. And yet in light of that, it is interesting to me how that Paul could speak in a very personal way of the fact that Christ died for sinners. Listen again to what he says. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, if you read the writings of Paul, one of the things that you're going to find is that Paul talks about, in great degree, the death of Christ. For instance, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God commendeth his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's very personal to Paul. Christ came to save sinners, that's right. But Paul counted himself as a part of sinful humanity. And then also, we think about the words of Paul when he wrote to Titus. In Titus chapter 2 at verse 14, speaking of Jesus Christ... He said, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purified himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good works. Again, Paul said that Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Paul understood that if anyone needed the blessings of salvation, he was at the very top of the pile. He needed salvation greatly. And so his writings reflect the fact that Christ died for us when he wrote to the church at Corinth. And you can read the book of Corinthians and you will stand amazed at the problems that those people had, spiritually speaking. But in writing to those people, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive, wherein you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the gospel that I preach to you. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Christ died died for our sins. That's what Paul said. And so it was a very personal thing to him when he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Paul understood he needed a Savior. And that Savior was Jesus Christ. So we think, first of all, of his sinful past. But secondly, we want to think about his Savior's pardon. Now we could look back, and we just noted briefly, his destructive behavior. But now let's focus on the divine blessings that he enjoyed. Because I think that Paul enjoyed the favor of Jehovah God. Picking up again in verse 12, he said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The first thing that I want to call your attention to has has to do with the idea that Paul experienced saving pardon. In other words, he enjoyed the forgiveness of his sins. In verse 14, he said, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy. Paul knew something about the great mercy, love, and grace of God. When Ananias eventually met up with Saul of Tarsus after the Lord had appeared to him, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, that He instructed Saul with these words, And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Saul of Tarsus was baptized into Christ. And when he did that, he enjoyed the marvelous benefits of the grace of God. And so his writings reflect the richness of God's bountiful mercy and grace. When he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Note again the words of Paul in verse 14. He said, the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. Not just abundant, but exceedingly abundant. What did you say that you were, Paul? The chief of sinners. Paul knew that he needed pardon from sin. When he wrote to the church at Colossae, He said, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who has delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear Son. In whom we have forgiveness. Or in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul knew what it meant to be a forgiven man. Paul experienced the blessings of forgiveness. We think about the mercy of God, his active pity towards us as members. 
of the human family. So, we think about his saving pardon, the fact that the Lord pardoned a sinner. But then also I want to suggest to you that he became a pattern to sinners. Now you might ask the question, what do you mean? What do you mean when you say that Paul became a pattern for other people in sin? Well, look at verse 16. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now there are people in our world today that they have the mistaken idea that there's just no way God could ever forgive them. They've just done too many bad things. They've been to to too many bad places. They've said too many things. Their actions and their activities have been so vile and corrupt, there is no way that the God of heaven would ever forgive them. Well, I've got good news for you. The good news is that God will forgive. Look at the life of Saul of Tarsus. You want to talk about a mess. You want to talk about an individual that was hurling insults and heartache to the body of Christ. Saul was the man. When Saul, or Paul, recounted his behavior... As a zealous Jew before King Agrippa, in Acts chapter 26, he said, I verily thought with myself to do all things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And then he goes on to point out in that context, prison. And when they were put to death, he said, I gave my voice against them. Now you want to talk about a person that needed a Savior. Saul of Tarsus needed a Savior. Now I think that the fact that Paul had been in the shoes of sinful humanity, so to speak, he could identify with people like us. He could identify with people that had been at the very rung of society, the lowest rung of society. Again, go to the book of Corinthians. Now, when you begin reading about the Corinthians, you find out that they were not a group of righteous people before their obedience to the gospel. They had engaged in some very heinous activities. When Paul wrote in chapter 6 at verse 9, he said, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor effeminate or sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor extortioners, nor revilers shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. That's right. That's what... That's what Paul said. Such were some of you. But he said you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified 
In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now let me just ask you. Were those people forgiven? You better believe they were. Could Paul identify with them? Absolutely. Maybe not from a moral perspective. But he could identify with them nonetheless. Here were people that had been, in, that had been involved in sexual immorality. They had been involved in fornication, in adultery, in homosexuality. They had been drunkards. They had been thieves. They had been extortioners. But Paul said, you are washed. You are sanctified. That is, you were set apart to God from the world. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Saul of Tarsus serves as a pattern to us today. There is no one beyond the scope of God's ability to save. God can save and God will save if we will only come to him. If we only make the choice to do what is right. I love the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Because there the apostle Paul talks about the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. I remember many years ago I had the opportunity to preach in a prison in Nashville. And I thought about what, what could I say to these people that would give them some kind of hope. I mean, they're in prison. They've done some things they shouldn't have done. And they need to know that there is hope, even though they are facing a prison term. And so I chose as a text, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, because there Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It doesn't matter what your past has been. What counts is the present. You see, your past can be forgiven. And once you have been forgiven, then you stand before God justified in his sight. The blood of Christ is availing in your life. And thus, you have the hope of heaven before you. And so we have... The fact that Paul was a pattern to sinners. But now I want you to note his praise to the Savior. In verse 17, and before we read verse 17, let me just preface this by saying, if you can somehow get into the mindset of Paul, if you can somehow think about where he had been and what he had become, then you can understand this great expression of praise that flows from the lips of this inspired man. Listen to him. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God alone who is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was redeemed in Christ Jesus. He had been reconciled to God. He was now basking in every spiritual blessing known to man. 
And so his heart could overflow with praise to him who is the giver of every good and perfect gift known to man. And so I close today by saying there's hope for you. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you are right now. But I can tell you, I can tell you with confidence and assurance there is hope. Now the Bible says if you're outside of Christ, if you're not in a saved relationship with the Lord... That you're without hope and without God in this world. Ephesians 2 verse 12. The beauty is it doesn't have to stay that way. You don't have to live without hope. You don't have to live without God in this world. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off are brought near made nigh by the blood of Christ. We sing the song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Christ. And I'm convinced that the Apostle Paul understood the blessings of the blood of Christ. Paul was a grateful man. And I really believe that Paul is saying to us today, there's hope for you. Look around in our world today. In our society, we see everything, don't we? I mean, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, and we think about the vileness of some of the things that those people did, some of the things that they, that they participated in. And really, it's just a commentary on our day. Very relevant. The gospel is good news. Because you see, you can be saved. You can become a New Testament Christian. You can enjoy the blessings of redemption. What do you need to do? Well, just do what Paul did. First of all, you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That is, that he is the divine Son of the living God. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. Then you have to be willing to repent. That is, turn from a life of sin. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. And then to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then be baptized into Christ to wash away your sins, Acts twenty two sixteen. When you do that, the Lord will add you to his body, Acts two forty seven, And you'll live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began, Titus 1 at verse 2. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, let me tell you, there's hope for you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We would be happy to pray with you and for you. The promise is God will abundantly pardon. Hebrews 8 verse 12. Would you come as we stand and sing?